Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 899 of the Juicebox Podcast. My Diabetes Pro Tip series for type 1 diabetes began in February of 2019. Today, I'm adding another episode. Jenny Smith and I are going to be talking about transitioning. We're going to do an overview of transitioning from your blood glucose meter to a CGM, from MDI to pumping, from pumping to algorithm pumping. And at the end of the episode, I'm going to add feedback from Juicebox podcast listeners about all of these topics. While you're listening today, please remember that nothing you hear on the Juicebox podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. If you'd like to help type 1 diabetes research, all you have to do is complete the survey at t1dexchange.org forward slash juicebox. The T1D Exchange is looking for U.S. residents who have type 1 diabetes or are the caregiver of someone with type 1 to complete a very short and simple survey. The answers that you give will help move type 1 research forward. t1dexchange.org forward slash juicebox. The Diabetes Pro Tip series from the Juicebox podcast began on February 25th, 2019 with an episode called Newly Diagnosed or Starting Over. After that, episode 211 was all about MDI. Episode 212, all about insulin. Episode 217, pre-bolusing. Episode 218, temp basal. 219, insulin pumping. 224, mastering a CGM. 225, bump and nudge. 226, the perfect bolus. 231, variables. 237, setting basal insulin. 256, exercise. 263, fat and protein. 287, illness, injury, and surgery. Episode 301 was glucagon and low blood sugars. Episode 307, emergency room protocols. Episode 311, long-term health. 350, bump and nudge 2. 364, Pregnancy, 371, Explaining Type 1. Episode 391 was Glycemic Index and Load. 449, Postpartum. 470, Weight Loss. 608, Honeymoon. 612, Female Hormones. And today, Episode 899, Transitioning. You can find these episodes in your audio app, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you get audio. You can also find them at juiceboxpodcast.com and at diabetesprotip.com. As always, these episodes and the entire podcast are absolutely free for you to listen to. The information inside of this podcast, and more specifically inside of this Pro Tip series, this information is at the core of how my daughter has kept her A1C between 5'2 and 6'2 for over eight years without diet restrictions. Myself, and Jenny Smith. Jenny, of course, is a CDE who works at IntegratedDiabetes.com. Jenny and I, we go over the topics, go over the ideas in easy to listen to and digestible ways. You can apply this information to your life, whether you're an adult with type 1 who's been living with it forever or a parent whose child was just diagnosed. I implore you to check out the entire series. It really will help. 
This episode of the Juicebox Podcast is sponsored by Cozy Earth. Cozy Earth sells sheets and towels and joggers and comfortable things. Really, that's what I should have said. Cozy Earth has comfortable things. Whether it's sheets or towels or clothing, it is soft, it is warm, unless you don't want it to be warm. I don't even know how to describe it. the sheets are they keep you cool or they keep you warm. Depends on what you want. I, I I don't even, like, I don't know if there's a word for it, but your body is temperate in it. Is temperate a word? I looked it up. It is a word. It, 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 how do I put this? I wore my Cozy Earth gear on an airplane the other day. I wasn't too hot. I wasn't too cold. When I got home, I got in my bed with my Cozy Earth sheets. I wasn't too hot. I wasn't too cold. Everything is soft. It feels terrific. Check it out at CozyEarth.com, where the offer code JUICEBOX will save you 35% at checkout. The podcast has a number of long-term sponsors. Omnipod, Dexcom, Contour, Gvoke, US Med, Touched by Type 1, Athletic Greens. Of course, you heard about the T1D Exchange earlier, Cozy Earth. All of these sponsors are prominently displayed at juiceboxpodcast.com or in the show notes of the podcast player you're listening in right now. When you support those sponsors by clicking on my links or typing in those web addresses, you are supporting the production of this podcast. So please, if you have the need, use my link. What I would like to talk about today is transition. Just a an overview concept for, for this one, but transition from Jess finger sticks to CGM, transition mm-hmm. from MDI to pumping, transition from pumping to algorithm. Sure. Can we do that? Yeah. All right. I thought we could. Um, I'll thank Isabel here for having her finger on the pulse of the people in the Facebook group and knowing exactly what people ask about and what they seem most confused about. Why don't we start with MDI? Because everybody starts there, right? After you're doing it for a while, like, let's put ourselves in that place. We've been doing MDI for a while. It's working pretty well. We're at at least at a baseline. We're shooting a basal insulin once a day, and we are shooting a meal insulin to correct blood sugars and to cover our carbs. That's the basics of MDI. Okay. Correct. So then we're in a doctor's office. I'm gonna make up. Yeah. Some, I'm gonna make up some numbers. Let's say, <laughs> let's say our basal. It's like I don't know. Let's say our basal's ten a day, mm-hmm. and let's say we're I don't know one to ten for a carb ratio. Okay. All right, and let's say our correction is one to one hundred. Let's keep it all very like like that so that it's easier to talk about. Okay, right. round ten numbers. Ten numbers. We're gonna do that so the math makes sense when people are listening. So we're in the doctor's office, and the doctor says, you know, you might like a pump. (laughs) Sure. Is he going to say it just like that? I mean, if it's a lady, she might be like, you might like a pump. I don't know, like, how people exactly (laughs) sound, right? Or anywhere in between. There's some women have more masculine voices. Jenny, this isn't the point of what we're talking about. Yeah. So they say you might like a pump. You are, um, I'm guessing, going to have a couple of different reactions. I see a lot of people scared. Oh, no, (laughs) don't change something. I see a lot of people are like, yes, please, because this isn't working and maybe this will. They don't know why they think that, just they're hoping for a change. 
So the first thing that's going to happen is the doctor is going to translate your basal insulin to this pump. So Jenny, you do that math for me. I get, Correct. I get 10 units a day injection. What are they going to do on the pump for me? Most often on a pump, because it's expected that your basal insulin, which, and this is kind of outside of it, but within your basal insulin will now be given by the pump as rapid acting insulin. So that's the first thing to understand is that your injected basal insulin, which is a specific long acting kind of insulin, will now sit in your refrigerator as a backup in case of pump failure, mm -hmm. right? So you don't put basal insulin into a pump. The only insulin that goes in the pump is your rapid acting insulin of any of the brands, right? Um, depending on the pump company, um, they all have a little bit of different kind of recommendations for type of rapid insulin, but um, it's a rapid insulin. And to translate your basal dose of what we said, 10 units into a pumped basal delivery, you would essentially take 10 units into a 24-hour day, okay. right? And that translates into a, a dripped amount, right? Because insulin pumps drip, 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 drip consistently um, to deliver that total amount of basal that you want. Yeah. Okay. So let's clean it up for people who get lost very easily. You may be injecting uh, Traceba, Levamir, Lantus, what are the other ones? Basaglar. Uh, Basaglar. These are all basal. Two JO. Yeah. These mm -hmm. are basal insulins. These are now gone. You don't mm -hmm. use those anymore. Because as Jenny points out, you're going to take your mealtime or your fast acting correction insulin, put it in the pump, and it's going to split it up. Those 10 units are going to get split up over, not just over hours. That's how the settings of the pump work, right? You're going to come up with what is it going to be like 0.4 maybe an hour if you're 10 a day, about like that, right? Right. Depending on your pump, all of the pumps differ in their precision of a single drip of insulin. Mm -hmm. Some pumps can drip as little as 0.11. Some can drip as little as 0.025 or 0.05. Yeah. Um, so it just depends. But if you broke this down 10 units a day into 24 hours a day would be a rate of about 0.42 okay. if you do rounding, right? Yes. Some yeah. pumps, you may have to round that to 0.4 mm -hmm. because they can't deliver the 0.02. And you're, you're going to hear that if you're MDI and think, oh, at the top of every hour, it's going to give me 0.42 units of insulin. But it's not doing that. It's going to break those 0.42s up over the entire hour. Over the course of the time. Exactly. Now, the other step to this calculation is that we expect that your basal insulin you've been injecting. I'm trying to think how to say it so people don't think their insulin's not working. But when you inject basal insulin as its type, it it will not be absorbed as efficiently, I guess, is the better way to say it, as it would from a pump where it gets infused in those little tiny drips over a very precise amount of time, a very precise dose. Mm -hmm. So your rapid insulin in your pump gets infused at a site. Um, and so we usually take your base basal dose down by about 10%. Some, ev some physicians even go down by 20%, but the general idea is taking your base dose down by 10%. So 10 units a day taken down by 10% is? 
one unit less. Right. So nine units instead of 10 units. So if you do the math there, nine into 24 gets your rate down instead of point, let's call it 0.4 an hour, down to 0.37 an hour, Okay. which again, we'd probably round down to 0.35. Okay. And you're going to want to keep an eye on that because mm-hmm. I've seen it go either way. I've seen that be right. And it's amazing. I've seen that be now not enough insulin and people are getting high blood sugars and they immediately, like you hear them say, like the pump doesn't work. I'm like, well, you gave yourself less insulin and turns out you need right. more. Uh, right. So pay close attention to that. It also translates into the next step. Once you've been making some notes on this 24-hour dose of, let's call it 0.35 units an hour, and you can say, well, it seems okay here. But then at this time of the day, I'm always high, no matter what. I can skip eating and I'm high. I can eat and I go even higher. Well, that's when the next step is basal testing, Yeah. right? We need to really look at it and say, where is that 0.35 sufficient and where is it not? And where might it be too much? Mm-hmm. And so. you might notice, and this is, this might sound a little heady if you're thinking of switching, but you could put your pump on your belly and have a different reaction to the insulin than it is if it's on your hip or your thigh. You know, there's reasons like um, Arden's thigh doesn't work as well as her stomach does, you know. Neither does mine. Right. I don't use my thighs anymore. Yeah. yeah. Back it's, of your so. arm might be better than your the back of your butt or who knows. Like right. And with with this being new from coming from MDI to going to using a pump, I would suggest initially utilizing and testing out within an area of the body. Mm -hmm. You know, we talk a lot about rotation. Not only should you be rotating if you're doing MDI, your injection should be going multiple different places, not just the same site over and over. The same goes along with pumping. Those sites need to be rotated. If you're new to pumping, however, you really want to get an idea if your settings are fairly good, stick with rotating around your abdomen, right? Get an idea. And then once you have that fairly well set, you can then move to upper butt or the back of the arm or maybe your thigh or, you know, your lower back and see if you notice any difference. Some people do and some people don't at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. No, I mean, there's it's your body composition, hydration, how, you know, where it's actually going inside of you. Is it subcutaneous? Is it very close to a muscle? We don't want to overwhelm people, but the muscle can kind of... I don't know what the term is, like what what a large muscle group can, it kind of lessens the impact of the insulin. But for the life of me, I can't think of why right now. Do you know what I mean? It like, lessens, no, I don't know what you is mean. That why, I always thought that's why the thigh wasn't a good spot because it was a large muscle. Well, it might have more to do with how well the insulin at that site is getting absorbed. Okay. Like that's a big reason that I don't use my thighs is because whenever I tried using it, either I got occlusion alarms because the cannula was bumping into muscle mm-hmm. um, or potentially that I had nicked like a small vessel under and it had been clotted kind of near that site where it was trying to infuse. And so that backs up into the pump and the pump tells you, hey, the delivery of insulin has stopped. It gives you nice alarms, right? Um, so I think in some cases that may be part of the issue is 
the proximity to muscle, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but also I it was either painful or I got occlusions. Okay. Like I it just never worked on my thighs. Gotcha. Okay. Well, see, look so, at me. I'm learning from the podcast. Finally. <laughs> Finally. I learn about this every day. I'm you like, learn a oh lot. Yes. Yeah. Um, okay. So now we've I, I think here's a good place to insert that it is possible that um there are some people on MDI who are achieving reasonable lower blood sugars. Some, how do I say this? Sometimes your doctor's over basling you because they don't think you're covering your food correctly. And that, or they may not have looked at your records enough to know why they've, you know what I mean? Like it working. might just be easier to back up with enough basal with what they're seeing in your data. Yeah. And it may, as you're saying, it might be wrong. Right. Right. So like, Imagine if you're a person who has been getting more basil than they really technically need, but you kind of forget meals sometimes, you don't cover all your food, but now all of a sudden you have this pump and you're like, oh, it's so easy now. I just push the buttons for my food. So now you're covering your meals well and you're like, why am I low all the time? Right. It might be because you're using more insulin than you have been in the past. So those are things to look for that I see people struggle with in the beginning with a pump. Mm-hmm. And I do want to say, I think there's a, I think there's a period of transition there. It's not going to be like, if you're nervous, it's not unfounded, it, you know, like you are starting a whole new way of doing something, but it really is just another way of delivering insulin to you. It's not that complicated. And I can say personally, when I switched from MDI, having done MDI a long time before mm-hmm. I started using a pump. By the time I started using a pump, I was already doing, um, I was already doing somewhat of a pre bolus, but it wasn't the same. Once I switched to a pump, there was a definite time difference between my pre bolus with injections, and there still is. Yeah, I can take an injection, and my pre bolus time is not as long as it is on a pump. Right. I, again, n of one. But that's what I noticed. And so those are some things to pay attention to between MDI and what you're doing, along with what you said about maybe the doses you were taking on MDI were covering a certain way for your rapid insulin for meals and corrections. And now that you're on a pump, your meals, the food hasn't changed. Your strategy has stayed the same and things are looking weird. Right. 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 You do have to step back a lot and try to see what's happening. Um, One reasonable um, reason for that could be reasonable reason. That wasn't right. But anyway, um, (laughs) you use an Omnipod and Omnipod delivers insulin a little slowly. Like it doesn't just like you take a needle and you go and And it's it's in. in. Yeah. Yeah. And the pump is pumping over time. And and I I don't imagine you use very large boluses, but larger boluses take longer. Um, Yes. I've seen. I've sat at a restaurant with Arden and, you know, you forget you've done it and you kind of still hear like that, like faint, like click, clicking, like it's still yeah. giving her insulin. It feels like it's been five minutes, you know? And yeah. um, so that's, that could be part of it. Anyway, these are things you're going to learn along the way. They're new lessons, but they're not a reason not to try because Correct. you're going to gain, well, you're going to gain so much, right? Like if to me, a pump is at its core, I've always thought of pumping as a way to be able to manipulate basal. Whereas sure. if I'm on MDI, I shoot it in, it's in there, nothing left to do. If it's too right. much, if it's too little, it's what it is. And, Correct. You know, with MD with a with a pump, you know, you can go back and listen to the Pro Tip series. 
I think about like, wow, if we sit down to a meal that's all of a sudden much carb heavier than what I usually eat, I could do a temp basal increase to try to help me with this. The, the You know, I was thinking a, a minute ago when we were talking about breaking the 10 units down into 0.4 or 0.35 that if you think about putting a sprinkler out on a dry, dry lawn, right? And you need to give your lawn 10 gallons of water. You could come along and dump it on all at once. And it'll just bleh, and that'll be it. Right. Or it could break it up into little 0.35 gallons every hour and go back and forth and just a light covering, covering, mm-hmm. covering, covering. You're never going to soak it down. You're, and it's just, I think of basil like sort of like that sometimes. You're just. And you know. that's a good way to think about it, too, because if you consider that slow basal drip that you are getting from a pump, when you inject your basal insulin all in one clump, mm-hmm. right? You can, depending on the kind of activity you like to do, you may have found that you have to pay attention to, gosh, I'm doing like a really heavy arm workout. I'm probably not going to inject my basal insulin into my arm today. I might inject it someplace else, right? Because there's this whopping dose sitting underneath your skin and any kind of insulin, whether it's rapid or basal, can get enhanced in action. Yeah the more active you are, and especially if you're using that site. Um, So, you know, those are the kinds of things that having those tinier doses that you can manipulate and adjust, Mm -hmm. especially with the variables that you know are coming in the day. And if somebody's listening and thinking like, well, they have spent the first 15 minutes talking about basal insulin, it's because (laughs) it's really important and nobody tells you it's important. Right. It's settings. So if you listen to this podcast, you're like, well, I do MDI, and they're always talking about like, their settings on their pump or anything. This is still settings. You yes. know, if it's MDI, it's your settings. It's, you know, these uh, basal, carb ratio, uh, correction factor, they're all settings. So it's just very important to have them. If they're not accurate to your needs, then everything else is just going to be a mess. And and especially basal. If basal's wrong, the whole day's confused. So, okay, so we've translated our basal. Our insulin to carb ratio, does the doctor keep it the same? Do they usually, like, what is common? They may keep it the same, especially if your records prove to show that it seems to be, for the most part, working fairly okay, mm-hmm. right? Could there be improvement somewhere, possibly, or whatever? Maybe that's also part of the reason that they feel like a pump might actually be better. Maybe you're the kind of person that just eats really slow digesting food, and so you've had problems with taking your insulin and having these big drops in your blood sugar too fast, and then it ends up catching up with you, and then you end up high later, and you've treated low blood sugars, right? And there's not a timing thing that you can really get quite right with MDI. Mm -hmm. And maybe the doctor says, well, why don't we try a pump? Because, hey, you're eating these types of foods more frequently. We could actually use some of the smart features on our conventional pumps that allow you to take some insulin for food. We're calling these extended boluses. And you can just kind of like basil. It's almost like a secondary use of basil, but for a bolus where you drip, 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 drip a bolus in over a certain amount of designated time. Yeah. No, there's just, there's so much you're going to get out of having a pump. There's, yeah. there's also going to be some things you need to know. Uh, sites can like they're going to tell you whatever pump you have, they're going to say this pump you can wear for X amount of days or X amount of hours. But sometimes sites go bad go sooner. Bad. 
you know, yeah. sometimes new sites don't work as well in the beginning. Um, those are little things that you'll learn along the way. Um, there's, mm -hmm. if depending on Arden's blood sugar, she might put on a new pod and we might just bolus a little bit to get the site working. Um, this morning, I, I woke up in the morning, I saw that Arden's blood sugar was trending up overnight. And listen, for those of you just switching, like Arden is looping, but I can see how much insulin is left in her pod remotely, which most of you aren't going to be able to see. Um, but um, I could see she was down to like 30 units. So this is the end of her site, right? And mm -hmm. I just spent the weekend with her and it doesn't matter, but we were in a lot of restaurants this weekend. So Arden got a lot of insulin this weekend. Mm -hmm. And in my heart, her blood sugar is drifting up because this site is kind of done. So Because I, you have experience. Yes, I can just tell. And you will mm -hmm. be able to one day as well. So I sent her a text and I said, I wouldn't go to class with this pump on. Because if she does, she's going to spend her whole day with blood sugars Higher. around 150. And she's going to be fighting with them constantly and mm -hmm. bolusing and they're not going to work. And, and by the way, if that happens... And then all of a sudden she gets crazy active out of nowhere. She might experience a low blood sugar from all of this insulin kind of sitting in this right. overuse pool. Site. Yeah, yeah, right. in this pool, right? Mm -hmm. And so, like, that's just the thing you'll learn along the way. You'll mm -hmm. learn, you know, people worry about so much, like, well, you know, do you travel with pumps? Uh, you know, if we go too far from our house, we do. If it's a 15-minute turnaround, we don't. Like, you know, right. do you, well, what, I'm going to have to have insulin with me now. Like, eh, I don't know. We don't travel with insulin that frequently yeah. as long as we're yeah. near a home base, you know. Um, but if we go far, you know, half hour, 45 minutes, and it's not something we want to turn back from, we'll take insulin with us. You know, it's, right. you just, you, it, my point is, is that it becomes all second nature at some point. Um mm -hmm. Just like everything else about diabetes, you're going to have experiences. They're going to teach you. You'll learn from them and move on. Speaking right. of moving on, you'll think I'm going to go from MDI to pumping uh, to pumping to algorithm pumping, but I, I want to do CGMs first. So okay. you have a meter, and that's how you check your blood sugar, and that's all you have. And you're in the doctor's office. The doctor's like, hey, you know what you want to do? <laughs> <laughs> it must be the same doctor. Hold on. Before. I got one in the drawer here. Give me a second. <laughs> um, take this as a sample. You'll try. You'll love it. Um, they're going to try to give you, uh, they're going to say to you, hey, you might want a Libre. You might want mm -hmm. a Dexcom. If you're on a Medtronic pump, they might ask you to do whatever the Medtronic CGM is called. Um, mm -hmm. And you're going to say, I don't need that. Or you're going to be newer and you're going to go, yes, please. The first time you log on to CozyEarth.com, uh, you'll get presented with a pop-up that asks for your email address. If you decide to give Cozy Earth your email address, you get $50 off. That's, you know, just out the gate. But don't forget, once you're done shopping, to use the offer code JUICEBOX when you check out to save 35%. Now, what is it you might be saving 35% on? Well, you can get the bedding like I have. It's the viscose bamboo. It's terrific. So soft, so comfortable. I can't, it, I can't do it justice. Maybe you'll get the sweatshirt and the joggers that I wore on the plane the other day. Absolutely comfy, 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 and they look terrific. Maybe you're in the, uh, or perhaps you're in the, uh, or perhaps you're in the market for a comforter, a duvet cover, or beautiful towels for when you get out of the bath. They have that at CozyEarth.com. 
they have all of that. Premium plush bundles of towels, oh, a waffle bathrobe. What is it you need? It's all there. Bath sheets, hand towels. My goodness, if you're looking for it, Cozy Earth has it. And how about the men's apparel? The pullover crew or the bamboo joggers, the hoodies. Look at this beautiful quilted snap pullover. They have so much. It's quality stuff. The plush lounge socks. My goodness. Treat yourself right at CozyEarth.com. Ladies, they got you covered as well. From scrunchies to PJs and everything in between. CozyEarth.com. Use the offer code JUICEBOX at checkout. Save 35% off of your entire order. I don't know what else to say. Comfy, stylish, lovely, 35% off. CozyEarth.com. Wherever you fall on that, um, you you do want it. <laughs> like if, right. you, if your insurance covers it, you you want it. That's for sure. Right? right. Tell me why. And I think it applies in all realms of diabetes as well, right? Not just in type 1 diabetes, but also type 2 diabetes and even worthwhile in gestational diabetes. I know there are some rules in terms of when it can be prescribed, whatnot, but mm. I think it's beneficial all around what you miss with finger sticks are all of the little dots in between. Yeah. So where things were trending, right? So if it is something that your doctor does bring up, absolutely say yes. Right. Um, you may not know how to look at the information or what you're getting from it initially, um, but <laughs> it's so worthwhile. Yeah. To you, you want to know what you don't know. And um with finger sticks, especially if you're newer to diabetes or if you've just been doing them your whole life and this is how you tend to think of it, you do the, um, well, I, I test before I eat or I test before I go to bed or I test before I drive. And, right. re and I know you've asked yourself, what's happening when I'm not looking, right? Like, And if you haven't, ask yourself that. Say, I wonder how do I go from 250 to 50 in an hour? Like, how mm -hmm. does that happen? And you'll learn, you'll start seeing the impacts of activity and the lack of hydration and different foods that you eat, the age of your, your insulin pump site, all these different things that have a huge impact on the way your blood sugar moves. And mm -hmm. now suddenly it's there. A CGM is going to show you minute by minute. I think it's every five minutes, right? And I think there are there are some people who've been using it long enough that can say there can be some frustration around the amount of data that mm -hmm. you get. And I wouldn't disagree with that, but I do think it's how you interact with the data, right? It's how you actually take a look at things and what you do with it and what you learn from it. And you have to, you have to expect that in the first month, let's call it, of yeah. using a CGM, you're going to see a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. And so rather than being so very emotionally reactive, again, taking a step back and kind of looking at the data to be able to make better decisions about what you felt like was probably happening. And now you can actually see it. Right. Well, imagine you have your sprinkler out on the yard and you have to keep the dirt moist because you've planted grass <laughs> seeds, except every time you look out, it's kind of dry. 
that's the CGM. You look at the CGM and go, oh, from 3 a.m. till 6 a.m., my blood sugar is 140. It's pretty stable, but it's 140. I wish it was lower or moister. Mm-hmm. I can turn up the sprinkler a little and put on a little more <laughs> insulin and make it where I want it to be, like push that number down a little bit. And the CGM can show you then, if you're really looking at it that way, the CGM can show you where did it start to lose right Efficacy. effect yeah, yeah, where do yeah. i start to need to add more insulin it's not once you get stuck higher or once you get stuck lower than you want right. it's before that so any drifts up or drifts down you can see that very clearly on a cgm i you have a really good example i think from when arden first started using her cgm it was like that overnight thing that you yeah. were constantly missing was it lows yeah. when you had finger sticks and i, I would put now arden, you could see them <laughs> I, I thought i was a genius i've said it before i would put arden to bed at 180 and she'd wake up at 90 and i was like look how good i am at this and um what would happen we put a cgm on her she was 180 she'd go down to the 50s sit there for hours i'm assuming her liver would be like hey here try not to die here's some you know Right. Here's some here's some glucagon. I'll give you a little bit. And then she'd drift up to 90 overnight. It was happening constantly. So the reasons for that are mind-numbing. And not for this conversation, but we were bad at bolusing for dinner. We were her basil wasn't like there were so many things that weren't right. You know? But you didn't know it because you couldn't see what was happening unless you really yeah. did a finger stick, even an hourly finger stick, it would have caught a drift. But it still would have right? been confusing. But it would have still been confusing yeah, yeah, unless yeah. you sat down and you connected all those dots and you could say, well, look, look at this. And you probably, I mean, not necessarily wanting to see your child sit at 50 for three hours before your body actually reacts and gets mm-hmm. you the glucose that is needed to bring it up. But you'd have, on a first finger stick, probably under 70, you would have ended up treating. Yeah. So you also wouldn't have had the information to show well, how much do we need to take away and what do we need to do differently? Yeah. I can't I can't say how valuable it is to be able to see a graph and to and to look at it every three hours or you know, what's it look like over six hours? Like it, Jenny's point is great, is that you you don't know why what happened happened. It's um if you're married here, uh, y- it's nine o'clock at night and you're now in an argument, right? And you think, I don't know what just happened. Mostly this is guys. Like they're like, what they, they search the last five minutes in their brain. And go, I've not done anything wrong in the last five minutes. Right. <laughs> but if you could step back and see a whole graph of your day, you'd realize that at 630 at dinner, you said something really stupid. And now it's hitting you at nine o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that that can be similar. You could have um, cheeseburger with French fries at dinner at eight o'clock at a restaurant and hit mm-hmm. it with a great bolus. And you're like, oh, wow, my blood sugar's still where I want it to be. It's 140 after dinner. That's not bad. And two hours later, it starts to jump up. And that doesn't make any sense to you because you haven't listened to the pro tip series. You don't know about the fat and the French fries and the slow digestion and how your blood sugar is going to go up afterwards. But at least if you see it on a graph and then you go have those French fries and that burger again, you see it happen again, you can go, oh, I could get ahead of this. Right. Yeah, I could not say that stupid thing at dinner, and now we'd be watching television, and she wouldn't be yelling at me. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Right, and right. if you have a pump, you can also address it a different way than waiting for it to finally start rising and getting too high. You can offset it ahead of time knowing what is coming because you've had the experience that, oh, it always hits around two hours, so I'm going to start doing something about an hour and a half before that. Mm-hmm. 
so that it actually doesn't happen, yes. right? Um, so I, I mean, yeah, there's it's, a million ways to handle that. If you're not yes. right, like from yeah. for Arden, uh, an hour after she has French fries, we have to bolus for the fat, and there's mm-hmm. a calculation you can do, and there's then that heads off that secondary rise and doesn't cause a low later. That's right. the other great thing is that everyone. When you don't have enough data, you think, oh, if I just keep throwing in more insulin here and there, it's going to be, it's not true. Like you can match the need up with the impact of the insulin and never cause a low. Right. Um, and that's something you're going to learn looking at a CGM that, that, a, a, that a stable line on a CGM is really your insulin, your insulin's pulling down and your food and your other impacts are pushing up and neither of them are winning. Like, so if you can kind of imagine that line going off into affinity, nice and stable, there's invisible lines, cables attached to it. One's trying to pull it up. One's trying to pull the line down and neither can win because you have a great balance between your insulin and your knee. Right. Yeah. So that, and the CGM, like, seriously, like, I don't care. Like there's Dexcom's an advertiser. It's not why I'm saying it. Like get a CGM. It's- Of any, right. Absolutely. I mean, I've said before many times if somebody- was going to take my technology, I would fight for my CGM before I'd fight for my pump. Yeah, no, 100%. I would. A hundred percent would keep my CGM. <laughs> I, I'll throw this here too, even though it's about like leaving quote unquote finger sticks. You're never going to leave finger sticks, by the way. You're going to need them. You're going to test when you're not sure about your CGM. You're going to test when you're making big decisions. Listen, if my daughter's blood sugar looks high on her CGM and we're going to make a big bolus. I said, look, you got to test. We got to know that this number's right. We can't just start throwing insulin in here and you're right. actually 40 points lower than this or whatever. And but- I think it's also really important to acknowledge how what you know about how you feel around certain blood sugars. Mm-hmm. Because again, technology, it's wonderful and it's so much better than it was years ago, but it may still not be accurate at certain points. Sure. So, always those finger sticks are important to continue to use because if your symptoms or how you're feeling doesn't go with what your CGM is reading, I guarantee a finger stick isn't going to lie to you. Not unless you still have like apple juice on your fingers or something. And and I was going to say, and I didn't get to it, just an accurate meter, just a blood glucose meter. Yes. They're not all the same. They don't all work as well. Don't just take the one the doctor handed you from the drawer, do a tiny bit of research, use the one that I that advertises here because it's the one we use and it's amazing. And, you know, like, or do what you do your own research and find out. I, I will throw in a, a little story here because I did spend the weekend with my college age daughter, which I haven't done in a while um, as a visitor at school. Second night she was with me, we replaced her CGM. Mm-hmm. Okay. So at five o'clock at night, I said, Hey, your Dexcom is going to expire at one in the morning. You should switch it now. It's before we're going to eat dinner. We'll get it back online. It will have it. We can do some finger sticks through dinner, and then it'll be rolling and working well by the time we go to sleep. Because it does take a little while for some people yeah. for it to look right. You know, She goes, ah, I don't want to do that right now. So then when do we change our CGM? 10 o'clock 11 o'clock, you know, mm-hmm. like, oh, blah, blah. so then it's done. So then it's wonky for the first couple hours. And for Arden, if her Dexcom is wonky, it's wonky low when she first puts it on. Mine is too. Okay. So like, I mean, it'll be like you're 42 and she's 110, yep. like that kind of thing. Yep. So 
there's a lot of consternation in in what you should do. I'm a fan of letting it be on for a little while and uh, calibrating it to help it get along a little more. But now we're asleep. <clears throat> and it's like, beep, beep, beep. And I'm like, I, all I could think was like, I told, I know I said this, nobody listens to me, but that's fine. And I'm like, and I know she's not that low, like, and, but it's worrying. So now she's, yeah, sure. a, she's asleep and I get up and I'm checking her blood sugar and she wakes up. She's like, what are you doing? I'm like, your CGM's going off. She goes, I'm fine. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> so I tested her and she was 130. And I was like, okay, so she's right. And I did a calibration and it came together pretty quickly. And that was it. Having said that, we could have done that at five o'clock. <laughs> and there, so there is a way to time your technology. Yes. Now, the new G7 is going to have a shorter warm up period, which will help overlapping. Mm-hmm. You'll be able to soak your sensor, which I'm not going to bother explaining here. But um, yes. the, as the technology gets better, so should those things. But Correct. that is not to say it's not like hands down. The most valuable thing that's happened to people who have any kind of diabetes since yes. I've since I've been aware of diabetes. So absolutely, yeah. Okay, all right, Jenny. Now we got our CGM. We're mm-hmm. using a pump, mm-hmm. but we're looking online, and we're like, "See, this isn't the, the doctor's not going to go. You know, what you ought to do. <laughs> that's not going to happen now because this stuff's all so new. Maybe a, maybe a really in tune doctor might say, "Why don't you get an algorithm?" But for the most part, I don't think. I think that's the thing you're going to figure out on your own a little bit. So all this stuff we're talking about, about, you know, the basal being correct, and you might need a temp basal here. You might need an extended bolus for fat. You might need all this. There are pumps that make those decisions autonomously. Yeah. You have to be wearing at this time, you have to be wearing a Dexcom because it works with that. Correct. But. Or Medtronic's CGM because their, their system also works with their pump, yes. So there's a Medtronic version of this. There's a Tandem version of this. There's an Omnipod version of this. Mm -hmm. All their algorithms are proprietary. They work slightly differently, but long and the short of it is they're going to give you insulin when you need insulin, and they're going to take insulin away when you don't need it. They're going to endeavor to stop you from getting low and endeavor to stop you from getting too high. You still And how they do that, it was with targets. Yes. Right. Right. Specific targets in each of the different pump systems. Um, Medtronic's newest one was just approved, Mm -hmm. um, which is really nice. Um, But they all have specific targets. So how that algorithm works is based on when and how to give you more or less based on a target and based on what the system is projecting off of your current CGM trend. Mm -hmm. So it's a very interesting, like the algorithms don't just willy-nilly deliver or take <laughs> yeah right it's, it's not like i think maybe now more <laughs> right yeah exactly there's a math to the algorithm there's right? no gremlin inside of your pump flipping no. a coin going oh my god heads let's do it <laughs> so uh but it's 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 stunning now there's another version there's a number of other versions there are do-it-yourself versions there's android aps there's loop um i think jenny you loop right i do it's okay to yep. say that i think you and i've been looping for Five and a half years. Right. And Arden's been doing it, I think, since 2019, maybe. So, yeah. And you're Arden's using Loop 3. As am I. And you just switched to it as well. So, like, so they're all just different versions of an algorithm making decisions about insulin based on your CGM trend. Trend. Mm -hmm. That's it. Yep. They're astonishing. They work incredibly Mm -hmm. well. 
they are not magic. Again, no. all settings, all knowing how to bolus for certain foods, understanding the impacts of things, your digestion, your hydration, like all the things that are important about MDI are the same things that are important about pumping, are the same things that are important about using an algorithm. And you made, I know people can't see you, but you were very in a line mm -hmm. going from MDI to pumping to algorithm. And I think that's, it's a really important piece for those who are listening to understand if you're kind of listening to this because these are not pieces in your life already, right? And you want to get an idea. There is a hundred percent, I'd say a thousand percent value in learning on M MDI and then moving to a conventional pump that does not do anything for you, meaning it does not use an algorithm. There's absolute value in that. You know, we talked about testing and evaluating settings and learning about all the variables, food and activity and everything and how to adjust your pump or your insulin doses to accommodate for those variables. I think, as you mentioned, when you said, you know, your pump's like, hey, let's start on algorithm. Well, I can't go as deep as you. I don't sound the same. So it's a totally different doctor, right? Uh, but in that sense, there are, I think, more doctors today who are thinking algorithm. Mm. But in my personal and professional opinion, I think some of them are thinking that too fast. Okay. They are they are moving somebody to, hey, your MDI, let's move to this algorithm-driven system, whatever the system is, whether it's Omnipod 5 or Tandem or Medtronic. There is, there's a missing piece in the middle there that if for some reason, and we talked about CGMs potentially not being always accurate or technology failing, if your pump fails in its algorithmic dosing and you have nothing to step back to, you're at a loss. Yeah. And it's important to understand that, you know, so I can't emphasize that enough. No, it's incredibly important. Jenny's been talking to me about this privately for years, honestly. She's like, people can't just be put on the machine. The machine does the whole thing and they don't understand why it's happening because, you know, the, the general argument is, what if the machine stops working? I don't even think that's the need for that argument. No. I think the need is, is that this is a thing you have to understand. Like it, it right. no matter what, none of this machine stuff is at the point where you don't need to know how to how it works. It's but, not AI. Yeah, it's it's not even a computer. Like, you know, you used to have no. to know how to fix your computer because it would break all the time. Nowadays, you buy a Mac, it'll just do the thing you want it to do. You'll never have to touch it and it'll die <laughs> at the end. You'll be like, oh, my Mac doesn't work anymore. You get another one and it'll, you don't need to understand how a computer works to use a computer. Right. You need to understand how diabetes works to yes. have diabetes. I don't care what version of care you're using. I don't care what the next one is. Now, if someone magically comes up with something one day where it just works no matter what, like a like a laptop from Apple, okay, then, then okay. Then God bless if you want to skip it, then skip it. But I'm right. still going to say that isn't happening anytime soon because of right. just, uh, not just the things we've mentioned today. Um, you know, you're, insulin pump site might not work on time. Like your CGM might not be right right away. Like all the other things, it just, right. it's not happening anytime soon. So right. you don't want, the worst thing I can imagine is that you put 
an algorithm on a nine-year-old who it works for. And then five years later, the kid hits like puberty hard or something. And you have no idea. Like the algorithms doesn't know you just became a completely different person. You're going to have to change your settings to make that work. Right. And that takes experience. Like if you, I think if you ever find yourself listening to Jenny and I talking and thinking, how come whenever something comes up, they just fill the next space with something valuable it's because Jenny's been living with diabetes for over 30 years. And I've been staring at my daughter for 15 years watching her have diabetes. And I have a never ending supply of experiences and answers in my head because I lived right. through them. Yes. That's why. And that's why you Absolutely. know it. Absolutely. Yeah. Like you didn't go to like Diabetes University where they told you <laughs> something secret that they don't tell everybody else, right? No, like, no, yeah. no, not at all. I mean, I have valuable behind the scenes, like, information about disease states and those types of things from a medical knowledge base. Right. Absolutely. And understanding them helps me to understand some of the navigation of that with diabetes. But the lived experience and the work that I get to do with so many people, that's the value that you can't teach that. Right. In a university, you you can't teach there's no degree in diabetes. Yeah, and for and for your situation, you've been helping people for so long professionally. I I tell people all the time, like it's it, it's going to sound self serving, but it's not. Like it's that I was able to get advertisers for the show, so I could turn mm -hmm. the show into a job, so that I could put this much effort into it. Because I Correct. learn every day. I talk to people. Like you'll hear me say, like, oh, I was talking to a guy the other day. He said something about this. And that's me hearing something I'd never heard before and right. and retaining it and being able to apply it to a situation go, oh, you know where that'll help here. And then mm -hmm. you get to keep expanding those conversations. I'm going to get to something here. And you you get to keep expanding those conversations till they help other things. We did thyroid episodes. Now we hear from people are like, oh my God, my life is different because I got my thyroid managed well. I'm getting a lot of um, my, I didn't realize about my iron and my ferritin, like a lot of women, especially mm -hmm. are getting back to me, like they're feeling so much better because of something they heard on the podcast. They heard it on the podcast because I was able to focus on this because this is what I think about. And now, right. and now it's coming to um, digestion and mm -hmm. that because we had to figure out a problem with my daughter's digestion. And then we shared it on the podcast. And now I've seen that help other people. That goes for little things about diabetes too. Yes. That's how this stuff spreads. This is a repository of information, but you're going to build that in your own mind. Correct. But not if somebody slaps an algorithm on you and tells you, don't worry about it, the thing will take care of it. Right. Right. Yeah. Because it, one, that's such a, that's such a big thing that I hear. Well, shouldn't it be helping me with this? Shouldn't it be doing this? Shouldn't it, the one word I hate is learned. Shouldn't have learned that I don't need this much insulin at two o'clock in the morning. Nope. Your system isn't learning. I no. promise you it's not learning. Not it, it doesn't no. keep track of two o'clock in the morning. Gosh, I got to give less insulin for this person. It's not that's it's not smart. Yeah. No. And Jenny, <laughs> do you know, oddly enough, as we make this episode, I put up an episode today called Rise of the Machines, where a guy comes on to talk about his Android APS system and how it he does believe it's going to learn in the future, Correct. which is so exciting, but not now. Like, he, no. uh, what's one of his examples? He said, uh, location services. So if you say I'm having pizza and it realizes you're at Domino's, okay, and you have an experience with insulin, 
someday it will remember that experience. Yes. If you go to a different pizza place and have a different experience, it'll remember that. If you go to a third yes. pizza place, it'll remember that. If you head back to Domino's, it's going to go, oh, we're back at Domino's. This. That's not happening right now. No. <laughs> so, yeah, In fact, yeah. there is there are some um there are some apps that actually you can track that way like you can take a photo of something and tap the location indicator. And the next time you come back to that location, um, you'll be able to see what your dosing looked like, what your CGM trend looked like. So you can learn from Bob's pizzas Mm -hmm. Friday night last week to this Friday night. Maybe I should change my strategy. It looked like this and I want to improve this, right. Or do it differently. But those, they need to be married right into the pump so that not only do you have, okay, now I'm at Bob's pizza. This is what I had. And hey, let's the pump then can acknowledge and I'm going to do something different right. for yeah. Jenny. <laughs> but but for that happening just automatically, that's not here yet. 2023 no. Omnipod 5 doesn't do that. Uh, Tandem T-Slim doesn't do that. The Control IQ doesn't do that. The, um, and the Medtronic. Medtronic doesn't do that. They, no. It, may it happen one day? Sure. But the other, I think the other thing is, I know you want your days to be easy. And they can be. They can be much easier than they are now. They can be more, um, you know, your intuition can come into play as you grow. But this is a lifelong thing. Mm-hmm. And and what you want is you want to get to the point where I saw Arden get into this weekend, where we sat down to this meal. There were 16 different things. And she just looked at it and picked up her phone and went, and pushed the button. Yep. And I was like, how much did she give? She goes, I don't know. I told it was like 85 carbs. And I was like, <laughs> and she go, and, and I was like, okay. And then she was okay. And it was okay. She just looked at a table at a restaurant. And she's like, I think about this much. And right. and that's the way, forget this podcast and everything else. It's just, that's where you want to get to. Where it just, where you wake up at two in the morning, you see a high blood sugar and you go, oh, I know what this is. Mm-hmm. And that does come. It, it really does come. So anyway, uh, but you're going to transition along. By the way, I think algorithms are amazing. And they, yes, they are absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I love my algorithm absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But I've also learned to work with it, and I've learned what it can do and what I still need to tell it to do. Yeah. I think that's the big thing about algorithms is knowing that you still have a fair amount of action to put into it, so that the algorithm can work with you. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't want anybody to think like, oh, you're using a do-it-yourself loop. It's magical over the other comp. They're, it right. all's about the same. Like, they all need your help. They all need your intuition. They all need your knowledge. There's yes. nothing. If you think you're going to just put loop on or Omnipod 5 and it's just going to be perfect, like, and you don't have to do anything, like, that's not going to be the case. No. Yeah. So, um, but don't be afraid. No. Like, like I, I'll say something here on the, oh. Uh, I just made myself sad. I didn't mean to make myself sad. Uh, Yesterday was my friend Mike's, would have been my friend Mike's birthday. And I I don't want to bring all this down, but Mike had diabetes uh, type one when we were teenagers. He's not with us any longer. Um, I believe that one of the reasons Mike's not with us any longer is because Jenny alluded earlier that I was stepping along with my hands while I was talking about things. Like Mike never came along. He just, somebody gave him regular at MPH and he used it long, long after he should have been. And, sure. you know, didn't have updated meters and didn't, 
you know, he didn't do the little things that you do to come along. I mean, I guess what I'm saying is you don't want to be managing your diabetes like it was 10 years ago. Right. I don't think you and should. I, I think you're also bringing something in here that's really important to consider because you've you've talked about, you know, practitioners bringing up, hey, why don't you try a CGM? Hey, why don't you try a pump? If if you're the one always going to your doctor asking for what's new, I don't know. I'm I you know, and your doctor is very willing and can talk about it then with you. Maybe they didn't bring it up, but they're very they're knowledgeable about it once you do get on it, fine. Yeah. But if this is someone who's never really brought it up and kind of like eh, shrugs their shoulder and like, sure, you could try it, whatever. You may need kind of like your friend maybe didn't have a doctor who was keeping up with what could have been better for him. Yeah. 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 You don't, you, you, you have to take, this is a, I don't, I don't know if you want to call it a disease or like a, a, some people don't like that word, but this is a way of living that, it it begs you to be involved in it. Yes. Like it just, it just really does. You have to be aware. You have to take some time to learn what is happening with technology, what's happening with insulins, you know, um, and you need to move along with it because if you look back 50 years, I still interview people who are like in their seventies and have had diabetes forever. And they don't even understand why they're alive. Like, mm-hmm. like you don't want your life to be a coin flip. Like, like you know what I mean? Like, there are things right. you can do to, to, to give yourself better health outcomes. And mm-hmm. those health outcomes are not just health outcomes; they're quality of life, they're your, they're your psychological state of being. Like, there's so much good that comes from just understanding. I know this sounds silly, but how to set your basal right and make sure your correction factors right, and you know how to cover the foods you eat. Absolutely. Yeah. I think and on a bigger scale, we're also we're all supposed to be a participant in our life, yeah. right? Health in general. You may have been given good health to begin with, but you're the keeper of that health. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Right? It's just like you're the keeper of the car. If you continue to let the salt build up on it, you never wash it off. You're going to have a rusty car. Well, your your body is the same way, right? And you're the keeper of your health. You got to do things to maintain your health. Yeah, <laughs> With diabetes, yeah. it's stepped up a level. It is. A- absolutely. And so um, prepare to transition by getting as much good information as you can. But then at some point, you just have to do it. You have to just yes. dive in and do it and then learn a new thing. And then once, then you'll be surprised at what else comes from that. And um Anyway, I'm, I'm, listen, it's also not to say that you couldn't get an algorithm pump right now and teach yourself backwards. I actually think you can. Sure. I think some people have a harder time with that than others. And mm-hmm. I don't want you to be in a position where you're lost and something's happening and you don't understand why. Because it's it right. won't be any different than a person that gets over-basaled on MDI and thinks they're doing okay, but is not really covering their meals well. Right. You know, and then doesn't get yes. hungry one day and ends up low all afternoon, doesn't understand what happened. Like, Correct. Diabetes, there's no reason that if, if, you have en- if you have enough information and understanding, diabetes doesn't have to happen to you. And I think that's maybe the most important part. Like I would, if it feels like it's happening to you instead of you are doing something and then something's happening, I think you have to have to look and and, and get a deeper understanding because it shouldn't just right. be happening to you. That's all. Okay. Awesome. Thank you, Jenny.
Huge thanks to Jenny for helping me once again on the Juicebox podcast. You can learn more about what she does for a living at integrateddiabetes.com. Jenny might be able to help you. Thank you very much, Cozy Earth, for sponsoring this episode of the Juicebox podcast. Get 35% off your entire order at CozyEarth.com by using the offer code JUICEBOX at checkout. And don't miss the rest of the Diabetes Pro Tips series and the other series within the podcast. If you give me a little, uh, just give me two more minutes of your time after the music, and I'm going to tell you a little more about this series and the others. But first, tips from other listeners. I want to thank everyone who left their tips for this episode on the private Facebook group, Juicebox Podcast Type 1 Diabetes, and the people who left their tips on the public group, Bold with Insulin. This first one is for going from pumping to algorithm. Test your basal and your ratios before you move to an algorithm. The first few weeks may be frustrating. Don't give up. Reach out to people online for advice. They probably have been doing it longer than you. This person leaves a little bit of advice from going from MDI to pump, says the first night they kept getting low and didn't remember that they could turn their basal down. We talked about this in the episode, having access to your basal insulin. Next one says, oh, I love this one. Listen to the Diabetes Pro Tip Series from the Juice Box Podcast. Take notes. Uh, here's another one from this person. Some sites have dramatically different absorption rates. We talked about that in the podcast. Uh, here's one for Dexcom. Learn to look at the dots instead of just the number and the arrows. This person says, when you're going from just having a meter to a CGM, remember that the CGM is just one of the tools in your arsenal. It's not a full replacement for a blood glucose meter. Use both tools effectively. Don't get overwhelmed. They are just numbers and data. It's not a grade for you. It's good advice too. This person says, no matter what you're doing, whether you're changing from MDI to pumping, pumping to algorithms, your ratios are likely going to change, and that takes time to figure out. This person says, not all algorithms are the same, so make sure you understand which one you have and how it works. Their example here is, if you're having trouble with a T-Slim product, don't use someone's advice for Omnipod 5. It won't be the same. Don't assume that your CGM is always correct. Calibrate it if symptoms aren't matching the number. Use finger sticks to make sure. Another person preaching patience and says not to make perfection your goal. Just shoot for shorter peaks and more shallow valleys in the beginning. And over time, your skills will get better and those peaks and valleys will flatten out. This person says, be prepared when your technology doesn't work and please don't expect perfection. Another person, basal testing. There's a great episode about basal testing in the Pro Tip series. Here's one that just says, don't give up. I like that one. I like this one here. Don't use too many new or different foods when you're trying to figure something out. So stick to meals that you are good at bolusing for. That way you remove variables, right? Like, you know, on MDI, I knew how to cover this food. So I'm doing the same thing on pumping. What's not working? Then you can look at your settings and see what's different. I'd say that's a great one. I like that a lot. Educate yourself on how your pump works. Don't just trust that your rep set it up correctly. There's a lot of settings in there. That's a good one. We were used to coasting high no matter what. This is an MDI person to pumping. And we rounded up way too much on our carbs. 
When we switched to a pump, it took a few weeks of lows to get out of that habit and trust that the pump knew what it was doing. Interesting. So if the settings are good on the pump, oh, I see what they're saying. Their settings on MDI weren't great. So they were always just, you know, doing more. But when the pump was set up well, they didn't need to do that anymore. It's interesting. That's a good one. Here's a great one. Don't just uh, put in settings into your pump. Write them down somewhere. If something happens to the pump, you need to have them to put back into a new one. And keep a pen or needles handy in case you need to do manual injections. Even on a pump, you might have to do that sometime. Well, that's very good too. Your settings in a manual pump may not work in your algorithm. This person talking about a CGM says, when you start a sensor, start at a time of day when you haven't eaten for a couple of hours. And you're not going to eat for a couple more hours if you can. Evening is good, especially for kids in school, so the sensor doesn't run out at school. Oh, that's a good one. Uh, so, like, you don't want to, like, put it on, I think what they're saying is, you don't want to put it on at 9 o'clock in the morning on Saturday, because then at 9 o'clock in the morning, you know, on a weekday, it might run out. That's a good one. Don't feel bad about removing a sensor if something's wrong with it or it's causing pain or discomfort because you can always call the company and they'll respond with a replacement. You may have heard bleeders or readers. That's not always the case, this person says. If you haven't heard that phrase, you will eventually. Take pictures of your CGM sensor codes and transmitters. Put the expiration date into your calendar with a reminder and that way it won't sneak up on you. Here's one for going from MDI to pumping. Make sure the correction factor is calculated using the number the pump shoots for, not the one you were shooting for on MDI. Interesting. So what she's saying, I think, is if the pump gets set up and the target is 100, but when you were MDI, the target was then your correction factor won't be correct. Interesting. This is funny. I, I can't read you the whole thing, but it says eventually something's going to go wrong. And your tech-savvy husband is somehow going to push the wrong button and deactivate everything. I don't think that's as much advice as uh, somebody wanting to tell a funny story. Uh, going from a blood glucose meter to a CGM, don't look at the thing every five minutes. For me, that led to me overreacting to blood sugars that may not have warranted a reaction at all. Set your alarms at a useful level. This one's terrific, the person who sent this one. And use that to guide your decisions rather than checking constantly on CGMs. I'm a big believer in this, by the way. If it doesn't beep, I don't look. There's a person here echoing this sentiment that blood sugars can be fluid and that it's possible you can overreact and be the reason it's jumping up and down. I think that's worth um, repeating, actually. Uh, when you're going from MDI to pumping, you don't need to wait to do a correction bolus. Make use of the insulin onboard information that the pump has. Great one. That's a great little tip. There's um, a comment here with a ton of information for the Omnipod 5. I'll tell you, there's actually an Omnipod 5 Pro Tip series. Definitely listen to that before you go to Omnipod 5. But I do want to add a little bit here uh, from this post. Fluid insulin delivery, like an algorithm, has to do suspending and increases and decreases, and that demands a different approach than a static basal. So in a regular manual pump, where you might just say, I'm one unit an hour all day long, you're making a lot of adjustments throughout the day that you don't realize because there are times you don't need that insulin at a unit an hour. Might need it more, might need it less. That's why the initial settings on these are so important and you kind of stepping back and watching it work for a while to see where your settings may need to be adjusted or maybe the way you use your insulin needs to be adjusted. 
pre-bolusing, etc. This person says that a pump was not a cure-all for their problems, and they found it very deflating when they went from MDI to a pump, and it just didn't make everything better. That's important. Jenny and I definitely went over that in this episode, but keep it in mind. This person says here that your doctor's office might say, we don't give a pump till one year, or you can't have a pump till after you've been on MDI for six months or something. That'll sound like a rule to you when they say it, but that's not really a rule. You can you can push. This is a reiteration of something we heard uh, before, but when you're going from just a blood glucose meter to a CGM, you might want to take some time to just absorb everything. You don't want to just jump in and start tinkering right away before you know what it is you're doing. You know, why are you turning this dial on that dial? Really kind of live through it for days, maybe weeks even, before you just say, all right, I see a trend here. I know what's happening. This is an interesting one. This is for somebody going from MDI to pumping. They don't want you to forget the the tricks you know. Right? Like if you see a blood sugar and it's kind of stuck and it won't move and back on MDI, you would have injected in a unit. There's no reason why you can't give a unit with the pump. Just because the pump says, hey, there's still insulin on board. It doesn't mean that that insulin was calculated correctly and is really about to make an impact. Uh, I think they're saying trust your gut. This one's a little long, but the person says everyone's experience is going to be different. So roll up your sleeves. Go into it with an open mind and be ready to dig in and do some problem solving. And don't forget to listen to the podcast. They go on to say, when going from MDI to a pump, you really have no idea what to expect. You can only kind of hope that you start out with great settings, but that may not be the case. So many people end up having a poor experience when they switch and then they share that online. And then this person was like scared. That's what was going to happen to them. But then that wasn't what happened at all. It was incredibly easy, she said. And his numbers got much better very quickly. So I think the uh, I think the message here is sometimes people just share bad news online. Doesn't mean that everything's bad news. Here's a little tip. A pump company puts their pump through the FDA for approval, and they choose a couple of insulins to use in the pump. Those insulins are then approved in the pump. It doesn't always mean that the ones that aren't improved in the pump won't work in the pump. It just means they didn't put it through FDA testing. I want to thank everybody who shared those tips and remind you that those people exist in the private Facebook group for the Juice Box Podcast. There are so many other management-based series within the podcast. You're listening, of course, right now to the Diabetes Pro Tip series, diabetesprotip.com, juiceboxpodcast.com, and in your audio app. But there's also the Defining Diabetes series, Diabetes Variables, Defining Thyroid, Bold Beginnings, Ask Scott and Jenny, and we have collections of episodes about algorithm pumping, which we talked about a little bit today. You can find out way more in the algorithm pumping episodes. There's the After Dark series where we talk about all the things that people don't usually talk about about diabetes, how we eat, mental wellness. There's so much to choose from. And if you happen to know somebody with type 2, there's a brand new type 2 diabetes series for people with type 2 or pre-diabetes. Check them out at juiceboxpodcast.com. Here's a little feedback from other Juicebox Podcast listeners. After devouring the Pro Tip series, I got my daily average down by 30 points, and I'm excited to continue learning from this all-in-one resource. If you're struggling with insulin, this is the place to figure it all out. 
I'm so thankful that a friend recommended the Juicebox podcast to me, and I wish that I would have found it at the beginning of my journey. I have been binge listening since I found this podcast. My son and husband both have type 1. Man, I wish I had this when my son was still living at home. I'm learning and sharing, and we're going to get our A1Cs lower. I've had type 1 diabetes for 20 years, and it was never well controlled until I started listening to the Juicebox podcast. I've become bold with insulin, and this podcast has unlocked the solutions to so many issues I've struggled with for years. I can read you these reviews all day, but I would prefer to stop because it seems it's icky to do this, right? I just want you to go listen to the Pro Tip series. Find the defining diabetes. If you're new, go check out Bold Beginnings. All of the information that you could possibly want and need about managing your insulin is in the Juicebox podcast. Subscribe now in a podcast player like Apple Podcasts or Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your audio. And don't forget to check out the private Facebook group, which is also free. Juicebox Podcast, Type 1 Diabetes, 37,000 members, and it grows by hundreds of people every week. What a resource. Please don't miss out on this community.